The year is 1971. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club, where we cover all Marvel comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, the comic book newbie, and alongside Dave, the podcaster that shouted love at the heart of the atom, mm. we're going to be covering the second half of 1971 today. It's uh, the fanciest is... thing you've ever said about me. <laughs> it's very flowery writing. Very poetic. I, yeah, I love that. Um, we're reading, <laughs> so full disclosure, we're recording at 11 p.m. at night. Uh, I think I might get a little loopy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm worried that Dave's gonna fall asleep, and I'm going to yell at him. This yep. might get, I might get mad. Yep, this um, is likely. So if, if if you hear Dave get uh, drowsy, <laughs> uh, let me know so I can so I can yell wherever you are. Just start yelling and hope that it wakes me up. <laughs> yep. So uh, yeah, and uh, also I read almost all these comics in the past two hours, <laughs> which is why ten minutes like speed read. Yeah, sorry, uh, I had read a few of them. But uh, all all the Avengers, I started the other day. It was like, actually, I think I had like three false starts because I started on the Avengers and was just like, oh, I don't have the energy for this. And then <laughs> I literally had to uh, had to read them to record. So, uh, so this is we're doing 1971 part two. And we definitely had, you know, a marathon chunk of Avengers to read as we get into Kree Scroll War. And six this is of them, six of them in six a row. And that's not yeah. even the full story. There's more of it to come. In 1972, I think if we look back, you know, having started with Fantastic Four number one in in 1961, we haven't had giant chunks of sequential story like this, like things that we would typically associate with being, you know, it collected in a, a trade paperback today or like a graphic novel is the term people would use, um, with the exception of like Search for Eternity. But those were all yeah, half issues yeah. and backup of Doctor Strange. I mean, other than that, obviously, coming to Galactus is like a big moment in 66 when when more issues start to come together uh but avengers i could be wrong here but i'm pretty sure it's the biggest like sequential chunk that we've read so far yeah i think thor maybe has had some plot lines that maybe have run similar length but but this is like the main focus and then it kind of diverts into small little like b plots with the main plot being the kree and the scrawl um these little deviations so yeah it's not totally focused on the kree and the scrawl but it's mostly just focused on that and has some some uh, you know, offshoots from there. Yeah, we'll definitely so, talk yeah, about I it. Think, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I do. I was thinking again, and I know I thought this when I put the list together, about could I actually have um, could I actually have started this at 92 and have everyone be fine? And I think Free Scroll War is probably too important of a storyline. It's referenced today and in modern comics, it, you know, somewhat frequently. Um, and it's, I think... It's important enough that we should read them, but I would make the case that you could probably start at 92 and actually I, I get I think maybe 91. 91, like just to see the, the wrap up of all that, because that, that lead in. It, let, let's talk. Let's get to it. We'll talk to it okay. or talk about it when we get to it. But um, but before that, Marvel has a bunch of weird, uh, you know, they're bringing back the 
hard to remember alliterative names, amazing adventures, astonishing tales, these titles that I hate, we're going to get like Marvel Spotlight, Marvel Premiere, a bunch of stuff like that in the, the next couple of years. Marvel Feature is another one. Yeah. And uh, so you, you just need to remember that Marvel Feature means Doctor Strange, Defenders, Amazing Adventures is going to be The Inhumans and Black Widow. Astonishing, Astonishing Tales is Kazar and... Uh, Doctor Doom Backups. Yeah, so weird. A Doctor Doom backup story. So I think weird. generally you don't need to remember that because generally these are not titles that are super worth reading. Um, yeah. I will call out when they are. Definitely these two. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to caveat heavily up front. There's half of a good story here, and the rest of it is me just making a point that these are happening. This is really just a call out of like, hey, here's what Marvel was producing. To your point, Zach, yes, they're bringing back titles like with these non-character specific names. Um, Amazing Adventures in particular, I think is actively not good. I mean, it's probably, I would say like one of the worst comics that I intentionally include on the list. What what was your reaction to it? I thought the Inhumans uh, A story was at least kind of interesting in its weirdness, but the Black Widow one was just dull. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, the Inhumans, well, yeah, well, let's get into it. So it starts out with the Avengers looking on a TV screen at Black Bolt standing on the front of a tank mm-hmm. riding through the middle of New York City with with a, uh, a black man <laughs> standing there yelling about, like, how the white man has put black people in the ghetto and he's going to use Black Bolt to demolish the ghetto. That's so, right. I mean, ju- just that alone is like a very, I don't know. A- arresting image <laughs> someone uh and i don't i don't even remember how th- this man has control of black bolt and uh, is using him to demolish buildings um which, which is kind of interesting marvel's been talking a lot about different racial issues right we got all that drug stuff at the beginning of 71 and amazing spider-man but housing housing seems to be the real like focal issue of every time they talk about racial issues right this is like the third or fourth time that you know, like low-income housing has become the focus of uh, the the crux of these conversations. Yeah, I think and it's. I mean, definitely, it's an issue. It's not like it's not nothing. It's definitely something that you know yeah, is a sure. problem I mean, today. I I wonder I mean, if it, was, it felt it, a little safer, like yeah, like a I'm ramp thinking. into yeah. having having the discussion about civil rights without making it as maybe explosive as um, yeah. I mean, they're not talking about uh, you know. Mixed marriages, <laughs> mixed yeah. race marriages. They're not talking about, uh, I don't know, yeah, as, as much about violence. They, I mean, they talked about drugs a bit. So it's a little uh, more yeah. abstract, and yeah, and, and like, I mean, housing housing discrimination was an enormous deal that is like arguably one of the biggest had some of the biggest repercussions for you know modern day America. So I mean, it, it's not like you're right; it's not nothing. But they're but they're it's not like they're actually tackling the issue. No, housing it's just discrimination the... so much as they're throwing it out there as the tent, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that right. is driving the the protest or the riot. Yeah, it's, it's um, a plot point. Yeah, 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 right. But I, I feel like you can do that a little easier with something like that as opposed to, like you said, a more social specific issue where right. it would just yeah, tie in sure. it. Like you would have to take a stance almost. Um, okay, yeah. So they're driving around a tank with uh, with Black Bolt like on their side. And uh, just to clarify, if you're jumping in for the first time, despite the name, Black Bolt is not a black man. He is a white inhuman. Like, just to be clear, he, <laughs> All right. he is a white do you inhuman think they, screaming they, they at would, police. They go to recruit him, and they're just like, oh, oh. I mean, I guess grab him still. It said, <laughs> you, got, you guys said this guy was Black Bolt? I, he does, <laughs> is this the guy? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, well, it turns out it's not actually Black Bolt. It's a... Uh... It's what? It's an android that this guy created? Is that what it is? Which, no, no, it's a real it's a real guy that uh, I can't remember. Here's the thing about this plot. I have no idea. I have I read no it, like, idea. In the last three days. And other than to say it's not actually <laughs> Black Bolt, which makes sense. Yeah, and so Thor actually kills him. <laughs> it's not Black Bolt. Did you like pick up on this? That Thor calls down a lightning storm to yeah. end this whole thing. And the guy gets killed. He gets hit by lightning and they're like, oh, he's dead. Got it, killed by a... Uh, it's such a throwaway issue because, like, it's not... In, in some comics, you would have the thing where, like, Thor accidentally kills a guy, and then they sort of deal with that, you know? Yeah. And it'd be in Thor's head, and we get his perspective. And here, it's just like, that's okay to kill this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, I don't know, nothing is dealt with. It's all just, like, surface well, level. It's, it's something like, they stole Black Bolt's costume, and that's what this guy is using to harness his power. And then Thor's lightning strikes it, and it... You know, I don't know, it can't contain the power and it kills him and it was an accident, kind of. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, so then we get the Black Widow story, which I wish these were good. I wish Black Widow had something interesting to do. Just kind of like, I wish Hawkeye was more interesting at this point. Yeah. Um, but it's, it was called, How Shall I Kill Thee? Let Me Count the Ways, which is the most interesting thing about this. And like, Black Widow has this love interest, Ivan, uh, who she knows back from Russia, and they're kidnapped by this german guy called the the warlord the watchlord um who has the worst design it's like one of these designs with like eight different designs all stacked up on top of one costume that looks like it was thrown together at, at like it the afternoon before this went to the printing presses uh and uh he shows up here and he dies here and that's the first and last thing we'll hear about the watchlord yep yep and that's about all we, uh, i think a boulder falls on him <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so again, yeah. why did we read these? Uh, the Inhumans and Black Widow shared a comic. <laughs> Isn't <Yeah>. that wild? <laughs> yeah, we could have just said it, you know, on the podcast. We could have just said those words instead of subjecting ourselves and our listeners to that. So. We had to know. You know, I actually think, like, the Inhumans one in particular, it's credited to Denny O'Neill writing and Neil Adams on art, which is like a powerhouse comics team. Oh. And it honestly, if you read that without the credits in front of you, I would personally never have guessed. <laughs> that it was those two maybe the only clue there is like oh they're tackling social issues very directly which is a very Daniel mm-hmm. Neal thing to do a la Green Arrow Green Lantern taking on social issues later for DC um, or probably right around this time but anywho that's going to take us straight into Astonishing Tales number 8 this one is it gets half good by the end uh-huh. uh, the first yeah. half they're really trying to make Kazar happen and yeah, it's yeah, interesting. They They've been kind of pushing him. He gets a solo series right around this time as well, which is another one that I've been exploring and just been like, I don't, I can't find anything here that I actually want to put in front of the club. Um, Kazar, for those of you who don't know, he is a, he was like a wealthy British guy. He gets dropped into the jungle and his name is Kevin Plunder. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he gets dropped into the jungle, specifically the Savage Land the Antarctic jungle where there are dinosaurs and he befriends Zabu, his saber tooth tiger. And I mean, yep. he's a Tarzan analog. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, exactly. it's all like, what's interesting to me yeah. is this type of comic. If you said like, Hey, here's jungle action, the comic by Marvel, I would expect these Kazar stories, but actually what we're going to get when we get to jungle action is incredible black Panther stuff in Wakanda. Oh, so I can't wait, it's, I'm, I'm drooling. Yeah. It's night and day in quality. Um, I don't know. Do you have any specific Kazar thoughts? Because otherwise I just want to talk about the next. No, story. It, it's just, it's weird, right? Like it's just, I, I feel like Marvel's, Getting real experimental again. And it's going to get weirder in the next couple of years. But yeah, because there's Kazar, there's this other story here about like a duo, a, a, a 
pair of brothers who one's a cop and one's a criminal and oh, one yeah, dies a third story. You're his, right. his spirit possesses his cop brother and like there's a whole weird story here that i think is in two issues and then never comes back again written so, by len yeah. ween creator of yeah. wolverine and, and many <laughs> yeah. incredible characters yeah, yeah. um yeah no it's it's an interesting magazine i think definitely with like for, again just from like a curiosity perspective the the pages 23 to 32 are the story i like the story called "Though Some Call It Magic," and it's written by Jerry Conway, art by Jean Collin, uh, with uh, Tom Palmer he, oh, he's and Gene Izzo. Killing it here. He's killing it. This is this is where Colin and we've like we've waffled on him. I think every time we've talked about him, I I've thought like he, he's specifically if if I think of Jean Colin, got it, Colin, Jean Colin, Jean Colin, I think of uh, expressive faces. That's I like think of Namor's I can, size. Yes, that's that's true too. So but I think like, he, yeah. he's good at he's good at doing expressions often, but like that's about it. He's not great at framing, f- putting the frames in interesting ways, and doing good flow necessarily. But this is like moody as hell. It's it's good. He's great. It really, at uh, yes, yeah. It's it's really evoking that um, Fantastic Four annual number. Is it number one with Doctor Doom? Number, number two. two. Yeah, the the opening is really uh, kind of. I th- I think it's referencing that. So it starts out with Doctor Doom's, um, Doctor Doom's butler. What's his name? Uh, Boris. Boris uh, leading him, leading him with a torch. You know, Props through the to castle Boris, downstairs. By the way, yeah, Boris. Oh, loyal, loyal butler. Loyal to Doom. Guy. Yeah. Never gets credit. I, I kind of like Boris. Let me let me look at his Wikipedia page. See if he uh, makes it out alive. You know what? We had a variant cover question a while back. If you could do any Marvel character, I would do a five issue Boris series. Oh, no okay. questions asked. Uh, Boris. Is around his last appearance was in Fantastic Four five eighty three in two thousand ten. Yeah, boy. And it's not like he, it's not like he died. Hickman He's still era. around. So uh, that's the sorry, three spoilers, arc. Boris. <laughs> Try to guess what Wait, happens. Really? In three. <laughs> Do you specifically know that? I just listed a random Fantastic Four, and you. Uh, oh yeah. my god! It is. You're it's right. A big one. That's mm-hmm. wild. I can't believe you know that. Um, come anyway, at me. So... Come at me with Hickman comics. I know it. <laughs> All Boris right. leads Doctor Doom. Through his castle, and uh, clearly, like, it's this, uh, oh, we get these really cool shots of Latvarian citizens looking up at the castle, and it's all, you know, darkly lit. I think there's a storm going on, and people are looking up the castle, commenting on how every year he does this, and it's, you know, it's not right. It's, you know, he's playing with powers he doesn't understand, and uh, it's this really cool buildup of, you know, what what is Doom doing here? Right. Right, no, it's very cool, and what we find is that Doom is playing with supernatural forces. He is trying to barter with demons to bring back his mother. His I mean, mother, the devil, specifically. The devil, right, yeah. but it's, he's going to get some demons. And, uh, you know, his mom is trapped in hell, and this is really, I think, the most direct version of this we've gotten. You know, it's the yeah. most oh, um, yeah. intimate look into Dr. Doom's, like, struggles to free his own mother um and i I, mean we didn't we called it out in the annual number two that there's this whole thing about a grave he was going to visit and i don't think it ever said clearly that it's his mom's grave you can kind of infer that because his mom dies but also his dad dies in the same story yeah you could equally infer it was dad so like this is you know really underlining that trauma in his past in that you know that he this is something that he's yearning after to to free his mother totally totally um, so, yeah, I mean, again, like he challenges demons for his mom's damned soul and the demons, uh, they do show up. He battles them and he loses. Oh, oh, well, it, you know what kind of stinks about this? I was all psyched. The devil shows up. They kind of banter a little bit. Yeah. He laughs at Dr. Doom, you know, that he thinks he could challenge the devil and win. And then it just turns into like a, a punch fight. 
because the devil's just like, oh, you will fight my champion, Kagrok, the killer. And then it kind of just degrades into a brawl, which Doctor Doom can't win. And it's okay. It's not It's not like it's bad. It's just, I don't know. Everything's got to be a fight. It was a little, that was a little disappointing. I, but, yeah, I was disappointed Doom put down his guitar and he did not play the greatest song in the world. First thing that came to his head. <laughs> I thought I was really looking forward to that. Uh, did not come to be. Um, but yeah, no, he loses this battle with the devil and the devil mocks him and doom is left to walk away. And we get, basically we get the revelation here that he's, he loses every year and he's of course him being doom. He still somehow retains the arrogance to say, you know, oh, I just, when I'm at my peak next year, it'll happen, but it's, yeah, he's like, let me gather my strength for next year. Yeah. Yeah. It's really humbling. Um, he, you know, Doom is not a humble character, but it's clearly humbling. And it's this Mm -hmm. thing that he, he can't be the Fantastic Four. And he can't actually free his mom. And he's got these two looming failures hanging over his head. One enrages him. The other clearly, like, motivates him. And that's mm-hmm. his mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, again, I think throughout the 70s, we're going to see a fair amount, these, like, last couple years in particular, of this this thing where Doom is evil but noble, or evil but with a heart, you know? And I think this issue uh, does a lot. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I would think, like, this gives him i mean there's a little bit that you feel bad for him i think it gives him a good motivation i think it motivates him as a villain which is interesting i don't know if it gives him a heart it humanizes him he has a mom yeah that no he loves. for sure yeah humanizes him. that is not but I, I don't think that makes him like, silver age villain yes yes absolutely because this this gives him a really good motivation for why he's trying to amass like supernatural power why he wants to become a master of dark arts and you know well, whatever. Yeah, why he wants to to gain this power because he right. needs it to beat the devil, which is pretty cool. Like this is a pretty cool motivation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, good, uh, good half issue. What is not so good is six Avengers comics in a row. All Roy Thomas. Uh, I was mad at you. <laughs> I'm still a little mad at you. I did. Yeah, I did think. Well, <clears throat> one second. I did think that this would probably. Uh, not me. sway you on Roy Thomas, <laughs> but I was curious if maybe you would start to see some of the appeal. Um, I less so. I huh? see. No. Okay. It it's the same thing I keep saying. Where I'm just like, you know what? It's better. Like Roy Thomas is definitely better. Mm-hmm. He his writing doesn't like drive me up the wall anymore. Like uh, compare this Avengers to Avengers like four years ago, maybe where I just felt like it was nonstop text and banter, and it was way too like hyper and unfocused i don't think that's necessarily the case yeah i just think i still think it's a little unfocused it's a little um it's very very plot driven it's it's a little chaotic i think because it's it's so plot driven but there's so much to each plot you know they tend to move very fast um with these issues in particular they not only move fast but they pull in so many corners of the mm-hmm, Marvel Universe, right. and they pull yeah. in Marvel history in some interesting ways that it is like, if you're and not... Some is cool, and some is... Mm. Some is cool, and some... Right, some works, some doesn't. But like if you're not really reading and paying attention, it is easy to get lost, I think. For sure, um, yeah. And I don't, I don't even mean that like a compliment <laughs> towards the books, like, oh, you have to you have to read thoroughly this. No, it means like, in text. If, if you kind of fade out for like three panels, you'll be like, wait, what? How did that explode? And mm-hmm. you go back, and you're just like... Oh, the last three panels, a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. Like Rick Jones went to Captain Marvel, got his cufflinks, realized, figured out how to use them. It destroyed the Kree technology, blah, blah, blah. Like all that happens at a breakneck speed. It, it just reminds me, or it's just in this format where the story goes, 
and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Like, it just doesn't have time to breathe. With one really notable exception, there's one half, there's a half of one of these issues. It's fantastic. I really feel yeah. that it slows down, it focuses on one thing really well, yeah. and it just lives and breathes in that moment with, uh, well, we'll get to it, but Ant-Man and Vision. And it's it's great. No, like, we're 100% the on the same page there. I yeah. think Cree Scroll War is one of those, like, Okay, I know this is important, and I can think of the modern things that I like that leverage this. I don't mm-hmm. actually like reading it, with the exception of RT and that, Neil Adams that Neil just Adams killing part, yeah. Avengers number 93, I think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. Let, let's talk about what happens here, because, again, plot-wise, there's a lot, and it, it's pretty it, and interesting, at least. I, I should just, like, I, I don't know. I probably have made it clear, but just to, to underline it, like, I don't hate this. I don't hate this anymore. This was just, like... It's more just, uh, like, I just don't think it's that successful at, uh, maybe it's exactly successful at what it's trying to do. Maybe it's just trying to tell, like, just tell a real quick action adventure story. And that's all he set out to do. But I just don't think it's, that's not that interesting to me. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, there's so, a reason these are the most, there's a reason we read the most Avengers comics in 1971 of any series in Marvel. And that's because the most interesting things are happening in this comic to some degree, like in terms of developments and style and creative teams, like there is essential material being developed here. Again, I Avengers are a tough sell for me throughout much Mm -hmm. of their history. Like, again, it's one of those things where it's, it's amazing. It's weird. They became the biggest thing in the world because their comics are never the best thing in Marvel uh, for a very long time, at least in my book, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, let's get it. Let's get into the issues here. I think it starts off in Avengers 89. Uh, the main plot here is we have Rick Jones, <laughs> your boy, <God. laughs> and Captain Marvel. Uh, they need to escape from the negative zone. Right. And this actually ties back to the issues of Fantastic Four that we read, uh, Fantastic Four number 110, earlier in the first part of the year, where Reed is on his annual getting stuck on a meteor sojourn. There's a point here. Rick Jones is recounting the story of Captain Marvel's escape from the negative zone. And he's just like, you know, talking. And then this happened. And then I got a glimpse inside the negative zone. And it cuts to a shot of reed richards on an asteroid and i just like i almost screamed because i thought like it was happening again <laughs> like i thought this was another instance they're like and then we went to the negative zone and then it he's on the like <laughs> he's on the same asteroid are you kidding me it's the same exact asteroid too it's not even like a new asteroid like he keeps finding that one yeah asteroid. No. he's upset at this point it's, then, it's like got his initials clear, carved it's... onto it like rr yeah, right. plus ss <laughs> yeah so he, he's on the asteroid uh this is from like you said, Fantastic Four, and it shows Annihilus is looming over. It even shows that, you know, Agatha Harkness casting that spell to multiply Reed Richards. And I think Rick Jones and Captain Marvel use this distraction to sneak through the portal, right? To, oh, no, wait, we are getting way ahead of us ourselves because this um, this issue before all this reveals that Rick Jones, his day job is uh, that he's a singer-songwriter. Yeah, he's a musician. <laughs> Which is how we first encountered Rick, you know, playing his harp out on the, oh the gamma God. testing site. And oh, he's just, now making a buck. I, I, You couldn't. I feel like if uh, they were purposely writing Rick Jones to just like grind my gears, you couldn't do it better than this just to make him, you know, like a, a Greenwich Village 1970s singer songwriter. Like 
Do you think smoky cafes? Do you think he sounds more like Blood on the Tracks era Dylan, or is he doing a Cat Stevens thing? I mean, neither. Like he's he's getting up there and just kind of like shuffling up and mumbling, like, uh, yeah, yeah, this one's uh, this is about the time that Captain America rejected me in an alley. So Uh, he's like he's very uh, early Elliot Smith. He is emo before emo was a thing. Yeah, but like pretentious super pretentious mm-hmm. you know he's mm-hmm. just like uh, this one's called uh forest feelings and it's about the time captain america slapped me uh this is a little song i call uh broadway broken heart uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> it's about a time I, I found a dog that looked just as sad as i did <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right yeah, yeah. so right Guy, rick is a musician i'm glad that we focused on that um, so funny. If you have thoughts on what Rick Jones sounds like, please write to us at mymarvelousyeargmail.com. We will I, I honestly be like tracks. When I read this, I, I had a moment of just like, do I have time to write a quick uh, parody song? I will. I'll tell you <laughs> what, if you send in a parody song, we will play it on this year podcast. If, yeah, uh, sure. If it meets any standard of decency. <laughs> Um, yeah. If it has a chord in it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So they, they escape. Basically, this is undoing that entire paradigm that we've had that you know captain marvel and rick jones one of them has to be in the negative zone one's on earth and they clack their bracelets together to switch places just undoing that because captain marvel gets pulled out of the negative zone and uh yeah that's it that's kind of the whole point of this issue yeah it leads to a mix-up a classic mix-up battle where the avengers think they need to fight captain marvel uh yeah, guess boring, what boring they uh, yeah. you know, I mean, total they, mix up. they like throw three punches and then they figure it out as always. Yeah, totally. Um, the issue ends with the important, uh, first off, actually, I guess, I guess I did jump ahead a little. Um, this issue is called the only good alien is a dead alien. And it's got oh, a yeah. really yeah, iconic a good... cover. I believe it's Sal Buscema who does the art on the interiors here of Captain Marvel in like an electric chair kind of thing with like a bowl like radiating on his head. It's a really classic look. And I don't know that this really digs into like. The well, the rest of the issues like a theme is going to be fear of aliens, and here it's quite literal, you know, mm-hmm. we we're talking about, but it's clearly the metaphor, you know, can be extended very easily, and it's it's very much a reflection of you know of creating an evil other in quotes, uh, mm-hmm. and and basically like the intolerance and fear mongering that that generates, and all the hate that that brings into the world, like that is a huge part of Creed score war that frankly I had forgotten because I was pretty in my head. I just kind of remember the cosmic stuff um, that kind of comes in 72 as it turns out, but there's like a very specific social metaphor at play here. um, That is really the biggest through line of this like series for the year. Yeah. And that, that becomes really interesting. I think, I wonder if there, I mean, the only good alien is a alien. Is that quoting uh, the only good bug is a dead bug from starship troopers? I imagine that book. I that imagine. book came out from before here, but I don't know if that's just a movie. I know that quote from the movie. I haven't read the book, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, otherwise, it's just quoting, you know, uh, World War Two, talking about like enemies in general. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. Um, did, how much did you love? So Rick Jones and Captain Marvel come through the negative zone portal, uh, and mm-hmm. they both escape, and Annihilus sneaks through after them. So and, then yep. the Avengers do actually show up here to again, kind of like battle everyone, but they're fighting Annihilus. How much did you love the vision vision pulling a classic fade out? Oh, love it. Annihilus jumping through him back <laughs> yep. into the negative zone. He's Pretty so funny. good at those they, fades. They, they keep doing that. Vision gets they, they use Vision's powers in a lot of really creative ways, but I love that they kind of keep going back to that well. 
Like, for some reason, doing that same thing over and over again is actually charming to me instead of obnoxious, like a lot of the other times they do stuff like that. There's but. no question to me that Vision is the golden boy Avenger of, of this roster. Like, he is the Avenger that oh, of Roy Thomas group? likes yeah, writing for sure. more than anything. By a mile. Yeah. And I don't. I don't think he's wrong. First off, it's like kind of a Thomas creation, you know, mm-hmm. even on a technicality, mm-hmm. maybe it's not. But um, it's like everyone else plays second fiddle to the vision struggles with, you know, is he human? Is he Android? It, what are his emotions? How does he react to other people having emotions? Um, and how many people yeah, can he fake out into jumping into walls or doors? This is this is the first time we're really seeing and in delving into that in like a pretty consistent way. I think they talk a lot about his ability to parse emotions and uh you know feel like a human that that comes up a lot in these these issues yeah uh yeah so that moves us into 91 no 90 that moves us into 90 where the century bursts through the wall at the end of 89 and fights the avengers kidnaps captain marvel and runs off with him vanishes running off talking about some new kree plan and uh the century sent here by ronan the accuser because captain marvel has Decided that, you know, he's the defender of Earth rather than a, a Kree warrior. So he's turned his back on the Kree. And importantly uh, here, Ronan has, or you said you said Captain Marvel. I think you meant Ronan. He, yeah, he has usurped. He has basically led a coup against mm, the Kree yes. supreme intelligence. Um, where he says, like, I'm going to do what's best for the Kree. And what's best for the Kree is basically it's a Kree first attitude is, is really what he's talking about. Like, we're going to take out all threats, any possible threat to Kree dominance is is our new mission uh as a as a race yeah right and uh they the sentry and captain marvell disappear so rick jones catches everybody up on what's happening basically like who the kree are what captain marvell's story is it's like a few pages of just like exposition which it becomes a little impenetrable they do remind you that the kree have been here for thousands of years and were the ones who boosted humankind initially to create the Inhumans, so the Inhumans are a direct Kree creation. But I, I like that at the end of all this exposition that, like, gets real messy, uh, Rick Jones says, if you can wade through all that, the Cupid doll is yours, which is, like, uh, just a funny little nod at, maybe unintentional nod at, like, yeah, this is this is kind of a mess, guys. Like, Yeah. Co- no, I, I think sucks. they're pretty aware of that. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think I guess. there's definitely a tongue-in-cheek attitude. Yeah, of like, maybe. We have to do this, but we kind of get it. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the the thrust of this is that they hear that Yellow Jacket Hank Pym is up in Antarctica doing some studies for does oil drilling hurt the environment? Which is pretty funny. Nineteen seventy one, they're thinking about that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's just nice because we found out that no, of course it doesn't, and it's perfectly safe and fine. And thanks, Hank. Uh, yeah, thank you, Hank. Um, he's he's up in Antarctica. They see they come across a. Let me start. Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne are up there. Are they married? Is it Janet Van Pym? Are they married now? I think they're married, right? You tell me. I do I not remember. Been, yeah, I'm pretty sure they've been married for a while. Um, yeah, they're up there, and they find this huge swath of land that looks like a tropical island. And I'm thinking, oh, it's up in Antarctica. This must be the Savage Land. No, it's a second swath of tropical land in Antarctica. Yes. Just, I mean, that's just, come on. <laughs> um this is where the Kree are. They've got well, it's this, crea- like, it's base, created this they... issue. It doesn't just always exist. It's what? I said it's created this issue. It doesn't just always exist up there. Are you like trying to make some meta point about that? Like these, you know, these characters or locations don't exist until the the issue that they show up in. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, we, we can't I mean, it's a part of the Captain plot. America had a. Oh, OK. Oh, I thought you were like, 
you know, Captain America shows up in Avengers number four, but until then, he's never actually existed. Oh, well, that doesn't work because he's been all through the forties and fifties. Never mind. <laughs> no, I'm... Nowhere near that. Uh, that philosophical. No. Okay. Uh, yeah. I just um, mean there's a, there's a specific reason in Avengers number ninety why. How there do is I know I'm addition. alive when I'm sleeping, Dave? Is this? I are you out there? I don't know. I've never met you. Yeah, that's a good point. You're just pixels on a screen. Yeah, right. Like, uh, I'm staring uh, at a blank wall right now, and I think I've been podcasting for the last <laughs> several months. It's just uh, Dave, Dave doing two different voices this mm-hmm. whole time, mm-hmm. back and forth. Anyway, uh, Yellow Jacket goes off to this island. He gets zapped and kidnapped. Janet Van Dyne escapes on a giant uh, dragonfly. And uh, the Avengers show up with Hawkeye, Hawkeye Goliath, who I still hate that he's Goliath. Yeah. So the one thing I like about this issue is Mm -hmm. you get to see the Avengers as like a global unit. Um, Mm -hmm. They're actually like they're in different locations and they're doing different things. And it feels bigger, which I think is is the one thing that this entire stretch does pretty well is like this feels like a very big team again. Yeah. Whereas actually the last several years of Avengers, they have felt very small. Um, you know, they felt like this tiny lineup of like Goliath, maybe Hank Pym and Jan, um, Wanda, Quicksilver, Vision, you know, but a lot of times mm-hmm. just like the four. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of right, felt like this yeah. odd, quirky, small local unit. And then and here also it's like a group of people who don't feel like they're actually that effective at anything because it's like Scarlet Witch is like by a mile your most powerful member. Yeah. If you're talking like Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch. Well, Vision. Man. I think. Well, Vision now. But like before that, it was, you know, we had this weird group of hawkeye ant-man quicksilver scarlet witch it's just like who are you guys i don't know yeah yeah no i think it's useful to see them like in different contexts in different parts of the world um basically what happens here is there's a mystery of what happened to hank and jan uh the avengers show up clint punches a gorilla um he gets mind controlled by ronin who is actually like i think a pretty good villain in these issues he he sucks in the mcu and he's very good in modern marvel cosmic I think mm-hmm. here he's more Silver Age cackly world domination stuff, but he is at least clear about his intentions and his purpose, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is to say right. like yeah. predomination. You know, you would know what yeah. his deal is. And what we come to find in this issue is that he's set up a um what would you call it? It's like a de-evolution machine. A de-evolution machine. And the big reveal at the end of 90 is that <laughs> who should have been devolved into a Neanderthal-like being but the one and only Dr. Henry Pym. Could it have happened to a nicer guy? Hank Pym is a sexist man-ape. Yes. Uh, and then he gets turned into a gorilla. Burn! <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. he's... Uh, it's it's pretty funny. It's just this big gorilla wearing his costume. It's it's good. And, uh, and he's, like, looming over Janet Van Dyne. And the next issue, he goes to club her. <laughs> and he has her, you know, completely uh, at his mercy. And uh, instead of clubbing her, he just says... Girl, weak, no club, hurt, pretty, take with me, for later. <laughs> yeah, the for later is real creepy. Yeah, that, for, that like dot, 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 for later really just is like, well, I mean, tank Pym. It's, yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, it's keeping yeah, out it's, a bit. Um, but yeah, yeah, so the Avengers are trying to stop this de-evolution. Ronan, of course, plans to expand it well beyond Antarctica and to the globe as a whole. Uh, in these pages, Avengers 991, we do get... Uh, um, it, one connection I did make between Hank's de-evolution always really creeps me out actually in a lot of ways, yeah. um, okay. seeing people like, especially like Marvel heroes brought to this low point of like no longer being who they truly are. It reminds me of in new X-Men, this happens to beast 
Hank McCoy and no spoilers, but like there's a sequence there of him devolving into like a mindless beast truly. Mm-hmm. And it just, it like haunts me. Um, I don't oh, have the same reaction to Hank him because whatever happens <laughs> yeah. to him is water off my back. Fine, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the biggest thing that happens in 91 is as everyone's oh, batting, yeah. battling Ronin, Viz oh, and Scarlet yeah. Witch get hot and sweaty. It Let comes tell out you. of nowhere. Yeah. We have had no indication that this has been brewing. There's no build up to this whatsoever. And then it's just in the course of she's like, oh, I'm so glad you're okay. And then while they're tied up at Ronin's mercy, she leans in for a kiss. And, uh, and you know, Vision is just like, nope, sorry, I'm a robot. Can't do human kisses. Only can do robot kisses. You're no robot. And then things That's a quote, get real. <laughs> no, yeah, you can see the budding romance here. Obviously, it's going to be a big one. Um, I think this oh, I, adds... don't, I don't know if that's actually clear because it, it kind of seems like Scarlet Witch just has this like unrequited love for Vision. And he's like, um, I don't know what love is. Uh, Android. The way Vision is drawn... He, that open mouth, those oh, I, eyes, he's interested. He okay, so is actually, looking. Genuinely, that was probably like the sexiest panel that Marvel has had. It's either I mean, that or our love story, or um, not our love story, uh, Storenko doing that uh, silent page between Nick Fury yeah. and Nakatosa. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Those are that, my that's two. A good point. Maybe there's been some like Peter Parker Gwen stuff that's worked, but like, you know, they, they take like three panels to show like the lean in to the kiss and the build up. And it's, it's pretty good. It's effective despite the fact that you're just like, wait, what? She's kissing the robot? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I like uh, Ronan is like gleeful about watching this happen. He's like a mutant <laughs> kissing a robot. <laughs> like, and he's just laughing in their face. And he's very close to them. Like creepily yeah. close <laughs> as they're trying to have a makeout yeah. sesh. Um, yeah, the issue ends with Ronan is... As his plans are undergoing, and he may or may not succeed here, uh, he's called home because the Skrulls have attacked the Kree, and he's mm-hmm. going home for the Kree-Skrull war. He says, ah, forget it. I will devolve you all later. And he heads back for the <laughs> Kree-Skrull war. So a lucky break for the Avenger in issue one. Yeah, and then uh, we move into 92. More Roy Thomas and Sal Buscema. Even though Marvel Unlimited actually says Neil Adams. But 92 is not yet Neil, I don't think. Yeah, no, it's not. It, it doesn't. I mean, Neil has a pretty distinct look. It doesn't look like him. Maybe to the um, cover. Something I love about this is that it I actually really like this issue. I think this one is pretty good. Um, it starts out with the Avengers hanging out at the Avengers mansion, like relaxing. And I think it's the first time that we've seen Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and definitely Vision outside of their uniforms in their like civilian clothes. Yeah. So <laughs> Vision's wearing a turtleneck, which is yes. <laughs> very good. Scarlet Witch is dressed like Scrooge McDuck, but sexy. I love it. Uh, <laughs> which is like you didn't have to say, but I knew what you meant. Yeah, yeah. There's a that's that's my exact Venn diagram. I'm I'm right in the center of that uh, sexy Scrooge McDuck diagram. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, Jarvis bursts in and shows them the newspaper. Where it's interesting because news is out that the Kree were invading. Uh, it's like the headline, and they're like, oh, we told, oh, we forgot to say it. There were some scientists. Yeah, there were some scientists who got turned into gorillas also, and then they turned back to scientists, and they're fine. They got rescued by the Avengers. Hank got turned and back, they, too. We should, I guess we could mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or did he? Um, but um, Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Actually, besides the fact that 93 is good, I, I actually had this thought of, um, you know, the the fact that, like, they left... Hank Pym 10 feet tall for quite a while. I was just like, it would be fun if they just kind of stuck with stuff for a while, right? If you ever felt like this stuff is going to last. Having read Years of Goliath, I can tell you it is not. 
Right. Yeah, I know. I just like, it'd be pretty fun if they were just like, yeah, the next year and a half, he's a gorilla. Like, they just have to deal with it, right? This that would is just, be funny. Yes. This is just like, we once in a while, we just cut back to Janet Van Dyne, and, uh, and she's just like, Hank, no, you have to wear clothes. And he's, you know, punching holes in walls. That, and, totally, uh, try- that totally happens in a modern context, where you can, like, drop out of a book for a while, and then come back and be like, wait, Jubilee's still a vampire? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Right. He's an angel now? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So, these scientists that they rescued have you know, gone to journalists, told them all about it. And the Avengers are a little pissy about this. They're like, oh, we told them to keep it secret. You said it Why was a super they... secret. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this this is kind of interesting because, like, it almost suggests that, the, you know, the Earth in general doesn't know that aliens exist. Right? Is that, like, is that... That should think not be true. To... Um... Yeah, but I, I was trying to think, like, are there any other huge, like... Aliens invading and everyone knows it moments. So in everyone Marvel. in the world should know about the Silver Surfer. That's true. Yep. I yeah, don't yeah. know that everyone in the world would know about like aliens living among us kind of thing. Yeah. You know, because scrolls would actually scrolls. be pretty secret the yep. way that they've been done. Oh no, the super scroll like showed up in downtown Manhattan. They know was, there's like, they know down. there's life out there. Okay, like yeah. somebody in seventy one in the Marvel universe being like, I don't believe in aliens. Is like being real uh, obtuse. It's you know, like obstinate. yeah, it's like being a, a Dungeons and Dragons character and being an atheist. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's yeah. kind of absurd. Uh, but I could see not thinking like there's lots of aliens on our planet already. Yeah, that I can see. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that that's kind of the big thing is that there's a politician who is stoking this fire of xenophobia in the most like extreme sense or the most literal, literal sense. sense. Yeah, yep. You know, it's McCarthyism, but for aliens. Uh, and he, you know, he, he even, I mean, it, they're trying to draw a straight line to that, you know, that the, this politician H.W. Craddock is like, I have here a list of 126 confirmed aliens living among us, uh, you know, just exactly mimicking, fuck, what's his first name? McCarthy. Lame. Arth- Arthur Sucka McCarthy. MC. It's Joseph. McCarthy. Joseph McCarthy. Yeah, the yeah. commie killer. Yeah. So, so it's, I actually think it's done pretty well. The, yeah, the whole yeah, like good. it's yes it's on the nose and yes it's direct but it's actually i think very applicable it is very much based yeah. in real world reactions it is not particularly um you don't have to spend that much disbelief to think like yeah i could see a politician gravitating towards like the news of aliens among us and trying to leverage it to their own you know benefit this way i 100 yeah, sure. can yeah, see yeah, that definitely um so basically the avengers they are kind of disgraced by this news because they are befriending Marvell. Marvell is in the mansion, and we wind up with all these riots and protests outside, and all these people have turned on the Avengers. They're calling them out, and they've got all these mean signs saying that they are not for the human race, you know, they're for aliens. So who should show up to save the day? Carol Danvers crashes a helicopter on top of Avengers' mansion. <laughs> like a bad, bad introduction is Carol Danvers, the pilot, right? Which yes. is like... Kind of the core of her identity later as Captain Marvel yeah. is that, like, she's a pilot. And it's very funny the first time we see her flying, she's just like, oh, whoops, up, here I come! <laughs> <laughs> and hits the top of the building. Yeah, she comes away unscathed, though, and comes inside to Captain Marvel's rescue. They fly away. S.H.I.E.L.D. is summoned by... Oh, I'm sorry, wait. Just, how funny would it be if this was just a running joke of just, like... Carol Danvers is continually making her appearance by like crashing it like an airplane or a helicopter into wherever you know like oh, Carol Danvers is. 
Yeah, but <laughs> always talking crushing. about her like pedigree as a pilot, you know? Yeah. Like just that constantly being a part, and then just every time she flies, it's a disaster. <laughs> okay, I'm into funny. it. I'm into yeah, it. So, so Shield Shield shows up to capture Captain Marvel, and uh, I get a no prize for this one. Did you Did you notice this? Uh, notice give this? Give me more. What'd you notice? the the first The first time we see Nick Fury and uh, what's his name, Dum Dum Dugan. Dum Dum, yeah. Nick Fury, both eyes. They forgot to draw his eye patch. Oh, yeah, give I actually, me that no prize. I was like, who is that guy? And then the other guy calls him Nick. And then two panels later or whatever. Was Dum Dum wearing the eye patch instead? Because that was hilarious. <laughs> they just drawn on the wrong guy. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting because Nick Fury kind of, like, let, lets Captain Marvel slip by, you know, like, intentionally... You know, he goes for a broad formation. But not where he knows that Not obvious. Right, exactly. Like, he, he kind of just, like, doesn't do his job very well intentionally, which, you know, he normally does. And H.W. Craddock calls him out for it and says, you know, he'll stand trial for this. And he's just like, you know, yeah, whatever. Real. Get real. Yeah. Um, which is good to I see because love... it does the issue. You know, it kind of feels like, oh, Fury's, like, with the Aliens Activity Commission. And this feels yeah. pretty, you know, anti-heroic for him. Oh, um, but then we can see that he's, moment. like, not actually into this. And he has a line here where so he, good. he says, I think to Dum Dum. Um, and yep. do you have it actually written down? I'll let you say it if you do. No, I don't have the Okay, it's line, something to but... the effect of, you know, back in the big one, I saw too many Japanese internment camps, and I don't want that to happen again. And he, oh, he says something even better yeah, than that. No, he, he says, and then, no, no, and he says, uh, he says, yeah, I, I saw what happens to both men on both sides of the fence. Um, and, you know, I didn't let Captain Marvel go for Captain Marvel. Mm. I did it for America. It's a really good line. And I, it's good, I, yeah. frankly, really appreciate it um yeah it's i mean it's taking a hard stance like to make you know nick fury is taking a a stance about something that's not just like for good yeah (laughs) like right because very often that's all these heroes have like they're they're good but honorable they're lawful but kind Mm -hmm. right that's like (laughs) but this is you know he's not following the law right he's being Mm -hmm. being chaotic good the only good alignment (laughs) yeah totally so the issue ends with an angry mob Gets in to Avengers Mansion, destroys oh, no, 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 everything. You're, you're you're skipping way ahead. <laughs> uh, no, the Avengers, the Avengers are in their mansion uh-huh. when they hear they hear someone outside like beating up on somebody for saying like, "Oh, the Avengers are traitors." Hey, I'll show you. And he starts beating up the guy, and Hawkeye goes out to defend him. And when he like pulls the guy off him, he's like. Uh, Hawkeye, you've been served, and like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's the whole set of which. I loved that. I love that. Like they they set up, you know, a, a damsel in distress moment here. Like, I that's so funny. Of you know, how can we get these superheroes subpoenaed? And it was just like we're gonna, I'm gonna fake get mugged. Like that's and of course they concept. get Clint that way, which he we, yeah, would be the guy to get served. Um, yeah, while they're they outside, to, they to court. I believe, all... then, the, then the mob breaks in. Yes, yeah, they while they're in the mansion, court. while yeah. Jarvis is presumably just on a chair squealing unhappily. Um, <laughs> and Thor, Captain Marvel, and Iron Man all show up, <laughs> and they're not happy campers. They say the Avengers are a disgrace, and they disband the Avengers forever. Yeah, forever. That's so it. That was 92 is the last Fortunately, Avengers that issue. was the last issue. Oh, wait. Actually, the best issue is next, Avengers oh, 93. Oh, so you... you... You missed one thing, which is that Rick Jones in the middle of court. Like, if it's a, a, hang on, hang on. Clarification. If it's about Rick Jones, I didn't miss it. I made a choice. <laughs> it's a, I'm only mentioning I made it the right choice. It makes Rick seem like a creep. 
uh, which is that he like nods off in the middle of court and starts dreaming of Captain Marvel getting wrapped up by green tentacles. What? <laughs> yeah, he starts having like a daydream about like Captain Marvel <laughs> and his like tentacle fetish. Yeah. Uh, no, I, d- I don't actually, I don't remember why that happens. Like, why are there tentacles? He like dreams of Captain Marvel going into some house that we see later. Some foreshadowing. Uh, and get, get grabbed by a bunch of like creepy green tentacles. And I have no idea what those tentacles are. I, I think that was just Rick Dreams, you know deepest desires creeping into the stream well now we get some um, insight into his songwriting process next time he goes to stage and puts on those <laughs> slimy sultry arms i wrote this one for my buddy marvell and just slaps a couple of wet tentacles against the guitar string oh uh, give me that sound <laughs> um so avengers 93 a journey to the center of the android yes wait is that what it's called or is that what i just wrote uh, I think I no, wrote that's what too. it's called. Yeah, you got it. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I write these notes and I don't know if I'm quoting it or if this is my <laughs> interpretation. Um, yeah, so good. Uh, Neil Adams' art here is oh transformative. Like it is actually actively, it feels like reading a different comic. It's so yes. good. It stands out yeah. so much. This entire I mean, sequence still Roy Thomas, is like, but, it's kind of yeah. jaw-dropping. It feels like a hard break from the story you've been reading previously where the vision shows up to Avengers mansion. It's the big three cap Thor, Iron Man all gathered around vision drops. And they're basically, they immediately are trying to find him help. They bring in Hake Pym who here goes all the way back to his Ant-Man version. Ooh, love it. Back to human form. He goes straight back to Ant-Man and it's like actually really nice to see him back in true Ant-Man version. And he goes inside vision to help. He brings the ants too. He brings his ants, Crosby, Stills and Nash. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah. That was good. Yeah. yeah. So he goes on this journey, and it's like, this is the best use of Ant-Man we've seen since he debuted, I think. It, which like, is to say, like, he gets to apply scientific knowledge, uh, investigating this, you know, mysterious, complex android, and he gets to be tiny the whole time he does it. He's the only yeah. person who could solve this challenge uh, the way that it's set up. And again, Adam's art here is like, Sal Buscem is good. Sal Buscem is a really good artist for Marvel Comics. Neil Adams yeah. shows up and it's like, oh, like this is what this comic could look like. It's it's so good. He does he does the thing where he, you know, he paces out the issue visually, so you know, you'll get a tight close up on Ant Man's face that, you know, is like showing character, right? Like his face and his expression matters to what's happening in the scene. And the next panel will be like a real long shot and Ant-Man is just a small part of the shot, which is something we honestly don't see, right? Like we don't see this variation of, you know, the, the camera pulling in and out. We get the the establishing shots of like setting the, the space and he does a lot of that, right? Mm-hmm. He, he cuts between character and space quite a bit. And yeah, uh, I think Adams is really a, knows how to do the page. Yes. He, Adams is a little less flashy than Starenko, but he's definitely, it's oh, definitely yeah, the yeah. closest comp where he'll just play with like angles and perspective. And yeah, I mm-hmm. think you're, your idea there of like, oh, the camera's going to start on the, you know, the bottom under everyone's feet and sort of mm-hmm. scan up. It's like, you know, those yeah. types of ideas as opposed to just, hey, here's six panels of three people's faces. You know, it's like <laughs> yes, he's, it's, right. it really makes a difference in consuming the story. Speaking yeah. of the story, as they're helping Vision out, um, you know, once we get to the end of that sequence, then we get into just bonkers Avengers madness, where it turns out the Vision was attacked by, who should it be, but the Skrulls who got turned into cows in yep. Fantastic Four number two. They were still okay, you, living you that cow life. You told me something about uh, Skrull burgers later on, and that really made me, I was pretty upset because like... What, that that I didn't thought, happen here? Well, like, I mean, I... It's 1971. They weren't ready for Skrull burgers. Well, I know, but like, are they going to get turned back into cows? We're, get, I mean, we're going to read every cow appearance. 
Okay. There are, right. there are I mean, two I just... things that I include in the My Marvel This Year Club amongst that I just do not leave out details, and that's every appearance of Stiltman and every appearance of Scroll Cows. Okay. All right. I trust you. Neither of those things and... are true, but I'm glad you trust me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we get, yeah, they show up at this farm where the scrolls were, and what is it like? The, the scroll homeworld realized that they were missing some scrolls, and they sent a scroll blast out or something and reawoken the scrolls that's i don't know that's the gist of it and uh yeah and these scrolls are you know part of the 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 earth invasion force uh they're they're dressing up or they're transforming into the fantastic four or at least the boys of the fantastic four to trick the avengers just to get the upper hand and uh yeah that's kind of what happens here um i think at the end of this issue you know all, all the avengers have um all the Avengers have shown up at this, I don't know, unidentified farmhouse or whatever. But Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver are all kidnapped by the Super Scroll, who yeah. shows up here as well. Yeah, things and, uh, really, and, the wheels really start going off the tracks here. I <laughs> yeah, think. yeah. It, like, it's weird. This issue starts out so good, and then it, it's kind of broken into three parts, and the yeah. second and third part get real messy. Yeah, it gets wild. 94, everything's just kind of mad. Um, I cannot possibly sum this up. I think in any sufficient amount of time. What I will say here is we've got the Super Skrull with his captured Avengers, inclusive of Marvel, his hated rival. They basically throughout this issue, they are making their way up into space and closer to the actual Kree Skrull War conflict. Uh, at the same time, we have here the Avengers are kind of like meeting up with the Fantastic Four because they're touching base on, hey, you guys are fighting the Vision, right? Oh, wait, no, those were fake Skrull cows. And then they also connect with the Inhumans, who here, the Kree, no, is it the Kree or the Skrulls that bomb them? Kree? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't matter. The Inhumans get bombed by one know. of these alien races because they are, you know, the original Kree this, experiments. This is when it, it, start, it really starts out with that format I was saying where it's like, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, where it's like, you get three big plot points per page, right? And it just becomes too much and it just becomes white noise. <clears throat> and it gets back into that rhythm with here because it's just like the Super Scroll has some people kidnapped, Avengers kidnapped, and he goes to the Scroll world, but the Scroll Emperor doesn't like the Super Scroll because he's challenging him for his wife. And so there's a Scroll fight happening there, but they need to interrogate them to get the information of the Omni Wave that is the Kree technology that will allow them to talk across the galaxy and back on Earth. But, you know, it's just like this and this and this and this and it just all of it, it piles up all of it that's happening. It's getting us to space. Yeah. yeah. And that's where yeah. the rest and, of I the action is th going to continue in I 72. Yeah. And that, that it's really interesting just because like that whole Ant-Man and Vision thing stands in such stark relief because it's like 15 pages for this one plot point, one plot point, which is just Vision is sick or malfunctioning and Ant-Man needs to revive him from the inside. And it just focuses on that and it slows down and it talks about that, right? And it just like lets that breathe. And because of that, it like has significance. That matters. That's what's going to stick with me. And it's, you know, that, I mean, that's why this what I matters. Think, because what I think is cool about that sequence too is I've, I've spoken a number of times now about Roy Thomas having some really cool caption writing. And mm -hmm. every time I say that, I'm thinking about Avengers number 93 in that opening where he is just like this big flourishing, um, uh, alliteration and because i think the sequence has space to breathe and it's focused it means mm -hmm. that he's not trying to cram 
you know, 70 words of plot into every bubble. Yeah, because I think, I don't think he's a bad writer. Like, I think his prose is okay at this point. His mm-hmm. prose has really improved for me. It's just his plotting. Like, and, you know, and who knows how much of that is him? Who knows how much of that is Stan Lee saying, like, this is the story, pack it into one issue, right? Like, who, No, th- you know, this right? feels, I mean, I think for good and for ill, I, this feels like Roy Thomas. There's a distinct okay. yeah. difference yeah. in the way Avengers feels under the pen of Stan Lee and then at this point under Roy Thomas. So, again, yeah. we're going to continue with this story. I mean, I think, you know, we've been, I think we're definitely being critical of it, I think, because, one, I don't think either of us love it, you know, totally fairly, but also, like, it's a big one that people still talk about. So I think it's worth interrogating in a lot more depth than, you know, say we would do, uh, you know, Amazing Adventures number eight. I'd much rather read these six Avengers than... Uh... What was that like? Avengers, just a second. Avengers Annual Number One, you know, oh, like yeah. from from nineteen sixty seven. Like, yeah. I would rather read all six of these again. Like, he, it's definitely better, right? Like, so uh, judging on a curve, you know, he it is slowly arcing upward, slowly getting better. It's just, it's not great, but it's not. I mean, it's not a train wreck. I didn't, I didn't really hate the whole thing. So, um, yeah. So that leads us into what I was just like ecstatic. I mean, I I, I don't know how intentionally you paced these out for us or you know put these in an order but this just felt like a, a cool you glass of water after yeah. trekking through the desert yeah spider-man number 100 it's a big one it's a big one definitely yep. um definitely spider-man does the event issue better than anyone you know mm-hmm. i think really the only competition is like he does Fantastic the Four. event issue really well and then in my opinion completely like goes off the rails like immediately afterwards but yeah i think i think amazing spider-man 100 is like one of my favorite issues of spider-man we've read so far interesting one yeah i loved it i love this issue it's um it's one of it's definitely one of those memorable final page reveals i think and i'm pretty earnestly having a hard time thinking of anything that compares well you know what the thing is i was thinking is that they didn't tip their hand once no through this and they always do yeah always tell you what's going to happen they always ruin the surprise they always say like you know wait till you see how many arms peter parker has at the end of this issue right <laughs> like you think two arms is a like, lot <laughs> or it would just show him with you know like it's spider-man and then they have in shadow four more arms on the cover sure right something right. like that like they they just they do a bad job letting like the actual tension build in the suspense because i feel i knew this was coming because i've read this before but if you don't like there's no indication, and it just slowly. I mean, let, wait, let's let's talk about it. Spider Man. I, I think he he's talking about wanting to marry Gwen Stacy. She's back from London, right? She was in London. Yeah, he's and, having. Uh, so he's very he's very into the relationship with Gwen. Things are going great. They're really back together in a great way. Gwen, of course, is still. Um, you know, she is still distraught over the death of her father, and also, you know, has those feelings of like, do I blame Spider Man for this? And Peter is really really earnestly thinking about um can i be with gwen and and romantically involved in the way that i want to be if i'm spider-man so it's kind of a it's kind of a version of the spider-man no more feelings but way less uh, it's more about like it's more about someone else i think well and and he wants to he's talking about marrying her and it's just like how could i possibly be married to someone if i'm just you know hiding this other part of my life you know it's funny i actually watched Batman Mask of the Phantasm earlier this morning for the first time. Uh-huh. And uh, that deals with a very similar topic, but through the lens of Batman. <laughs> Basically, how do you how do you live this life and how do you fulfill the promises that you've made to people and the goals that you've set for yourself, essentially? Um, and, in, you know, in Spider-Man's case, he's, he's, 
I made a promise of sorts to Uncle Ben, you know? Yeah. And yeah. can I do that? Or, you know, hey, would Ben want me to be happy and give this up? So we we learn then in 100 that Peter's been did working. You, did, did you watch uh, this Batman movie because of the they're introducing that villain into the comics? Um. Yeah, yeah, I saw I saw the image teased in a promo, I think, yeah, for uh, yeah, yeah. Batman Catwoman. I've, and, I've never seen the movie. I've never seen it. It's awesome. It lives Wasn't. up to the hype, yeah. I, I don't like that. DC has that house style that they use for everything. What do you, you mean, know, for animation? They, yeah, yeah, they have that animation style that, well, like... It's, it's Bruce I mean, Tim. Yeah, it's the, uh, I mean, it's the Batman animated series that they've just stuck with since that... Well, Mask of like the Phantasm it. was part of that. Yeah, 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 right. So maybe that, like, would seem properly dated. But, like, current movies that DC does still have that exact same style. Yeah, that's a little... Just, that's a It different looks so thing. dated to me. Like, I, I, I hear those movies are good. And I just, like, I watch trailers and I'm just like, this looks so low budget and so, uh, I don't know, it looks so dull. Like, the Killing Joke movie. I mean, I know that movie had other other issues. That <laughs> is a different thing. But, like, the, the animation itself just uh, is such a, a barrier for me to get into this. Anyway... So yeah, Spider-Man's gotten these feelings, and uh, he decides to drink some uh, spider anti-spider juice. Yeah, he's been making spider juice ever since he got these powers. He's been brewing juice. it in his bathtub. Spider juice is spider and juice is what got him into this in the first place. That's right. He's got spider juice in his arm, and he's got anti-spider juice in the tub, and he pulls out a vial of the anti-spider juice that he's been working on. He says, I don't know what this is going to do. <laughs> There's no way to test it, but I've got to do it because it's the only way I can be with Gwen. Which, you know, I, here's a thought. I, here's one thought that I had. <laughs> Just don't do spidery <clears throat> things. Don't do them. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah, one yeah. option. It's a, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, I, I work in a histology lab. Uh, it's my day job. And I work with a lot of antibodies. And a lot of the antibodies I have are just anti-species, specific species. So I just have tubes that are, this is uh, this is anti-goat antibody. This is anti-guinea pig. Interesting. They literally lit like $400 little test tube. And it's How just much anti-venom do you guys have? I don't have any anti-venom. Oh, that's okay. a bald-faced lie. But okay, get real. I get it. I'm, <laughs> I see the wink. Oh, hey, did through. I tell you this? I, I went to Texas for a, uh, a conference last week. Did I tell you about the guy who got bit by a black widow? What? Like, I, I was at the University of Texas for, a, like, a neuroscience conference. Yeah. And we went, we had lunch, like, for half an hour, and someone just went outside to sit on a patio, got bit by something, and they came back in, and then, like, in the middle of this conference, they just kind of, like, seized up, tensed up, and started foaming at the mouth, and it was like they had to call an ambulance, Holy get the guy crap. out of there. It was just like, yeah, it was just in the middle of this campus sitting on a picnic table or whatever. And this black widow, it was either a black widow or a brown recluse because those are the, the poisonous spiders that in Texas. That is amazing and just, also I, terrifying. I always think of them in, you know, like some creepy dark basement. But uh, it was out on a yeah. park bench. I mean, he was he was back like three hours later. He got some anti-venom and he was okay. But like terrifying. Texas. Terrible right. place. Okay. Well, if yeah. you see news reports of a new black widow in Texas, you heard it here first. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he drinks his anti-spider juice and he has like a fever dream. That's uh, it's really interesting. And it's just it's him kind of facing a series of obstacles, which is mostly villains. Like he's kind of facing off against his rogues gallery. He's hearing this voice calling him from afar that he can't quite place. He's feeling like uh, like he's being bruised on his sides, which is a really cool detail. Like that's a really fun foreshadowing without right. totally tipping their hand. Like he's just like, oh, my sides are aching, but I haven't been hit there. Yeah, you don't totally know what it means unless you've seen it before. Which is cool, right? That It's a mystery. Like 
something that I feel like Marvel has a hard time yeah. just letting, you know, sit on the page. And it's a mystery, and uh, and it leads to this incredible last page where he wakes up, gets out of bed, and he's got four extra arms. I, I love it. It's so good. Should it's it a, have been eight arms? No, because he's got two. My wife said the same thing. She was just like, four arms? And I was like, yeah, because eight limbs. And she's like, yeah, but that's six arms. Yeah, because he's got two legs. Just like a spider, two legs, six arms. Learn your science. You're pro. You're pro six arm saga. My, I'm leaning eight arm saga as well. I'm not sure the legs count. My Marvelous Year Club, right into marmarvelousyeargmail.com. How many arms should a Spider Man have? Yeah, I, I like, I, I just love any time that they draw that line between Peter Parker and actual spidery things. Because the only real spider power that he has is that he can climb walls, right? Like, Nothing else that he has is actually like a spider ability. Well, he shoots webs out of his butt. Well, no, but he did that. Like, he did that to, you know, make himself thematic. Like, he doesn't shoot them out of his body. He built that. I don't think you heard what I said. What did you say? (laughs) I said he shoots webs out of his butt. And you said, yeah. Oh, I heard body. And I thought, Uh, no. (laughs) I heard body. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you mean mean a spinneret, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It looks, it's kind of like a vestigial tail, but he just has a little <laughs> point out of the butt. You no, know, but like he really doesn't have like he climbs walls, but spider sense is not an actual thing that spiders have. Proportional strength of the spider. Like he could have equally been bit by a radioactive ant and it would be the same power. You can climb up walls and have the rate, the proportional strength of an ant. Yeah. One thing so I, I really I like about this era learning. is the idea that this radioactive bite is like still untapped. Like, we yeah, still don't yeah, yeah. know what's going to happen. Like, it's still developing. Because it's so easy to think about, like, oh, this is Spider-Man, and this is what happened, and that's it. But I really but like what? when they bring up these moments of, like, the fear and sort of the the anxiety that would come with, Is it with, wearing like, off? Is, is it, it getting worse? Yeah. Like, what, is it going to keep going? Am I going to grow four more arms in this <clears> instance? <throat> Turns out, yes, if you yeah. take this potion. So... Yeah, not, not to, like, you know, spoil anything that happens later, but I... At some point, I read a handful of issues in the 2000s that, like, really gets into, like, the, you know, Peter Parker yeah. spider connection that I, I love. Like, I love that you stuff. You love that stuff. Think, okay, interesting. I think well, it's fun. I don't, I don't remember if those issues themselves are that good, but, like, I just... No, I, I know like, what you're talking about. Because yeah. spiders are, like, intrinsically, like, gross and creepy, and Spider-Man is not, right? Like, right. that that aspect to it, and I, I think they're going to start getting into that soon with, like, Madam Web a little bit, right? Like, she's, she's kind of, I don't know, a little spooky. Yeah. I don't know if she has to do with spiders. I like her, though. No, it's an interesting point, because, like, yeah. I think of spiders, I don't think of, like, ooh, fun and playful and right. great adventure. Right, and blue, right, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Fair point. So that's that's Amazing Spider-Man number 100, obviously a big one. Takes us into Amazing Spider-Man number, number 101 and 102, and kind of like you just said, the next two issues, they follow up on developing <laughs> these extra A vampire arms. instead. Well, it's then they, about, they introduce a new character, Morbius, all, the living it's, vampire. It's just like, oh my god, he's got six arms. Like, I can't wait to see what happens with this. Oh no, it's two-thirds vampire. Like, well, it's, it's, it's But it's, so, him, it's him with these new arms trying to figure out, so like, wild. what do I do? Like, focus on this one thing. You could mine, like, two issues just out of Spider-Man dealing with the fact that he needs to hide these extra arms. I don't right? think like, you could, because it would just terrifying. be him hiding in a, in a cottage. Courtesy yeah, of Dr. Kirk Connors. So, so easy. So easy to just write a whole issue of him spiral. I mean. Of him even, not answering phone calls. 
Shut up. Okay. He's just trying to avoid people. He's trying to avoid people, and then he gets roped into I mean, like, a classic the body Spider-Man story. of this, like, you know, of extra limbs bursting out of your ribs. I mean, he talks about Kafka. I love that he, like, actually mentions Kafka. That's pretty funny. But, yeah. like, I just think, like, there's so much you could mine out of this, and they immediately just kind of move on to, like, all right, he's in, uh, he's in, he needs to find a cure mode. And, uh, and meanwhile, a vampire's attacking him. So, I, so th- this all gets spurred on. Gwen Stacy calls him. And she kind of invites him to go watch some like softcore porn. <laughs> she she invites him to uh, go see what is it? It's like um, it's this like sexy Swedish movie that um, God, what's it called? Oh, uh, I am it's curious. Called Four Arms, Five Girls. <laughs> God, gross. Yeah, I I am curious. Yellow, which is like kind of one of these notorious like ooh, it's a foreign film. And she's like, you'll have to cover my eyes during the spicy part. And it's like. Marvel's getting salacious this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I was actually going to say when we're talking about Wanda and Scarlet Witch that like Peter and Gwen are never really sexy. You know, they're never really sexualized because they're like young (laughs) teenagers. Um, But no, it's kind of heading more that direction. I think it's just more just like the times. And Peter acts like an abusive boyfriend here. She's just like he's like, yeah, sorry, I can't. I got to go out of town. She's like, oh, what's wrong? You sound upset. And he's like. Why do you think I sound upset? Why did you do something wrong? You have a guilty conscience. I gotta go. And he, like hangs up on yeah. her, and it's like th- this. Just like uh, I was just thinking, you could really do some good Gwen stories, just showing that like man, he treats her bad, right? Like we kind of get to see that like Peter is tortured because he treats her bad. He has to. <laughs> I don't think right? I'd enjoy that at all. No, no, you, I, I wouldn't either. But like, it is just this idea that like, like poor Gwen, like she really puts up with a lot, and. uh you know, he he just like from her perspective, he's just like so hot and cold and yeah. so inconsistent. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it kind of sucks. Like we only see it from Peter's position of just like, man, I hated being an asshole to Gwen. Like <laughs> I really hated me making her feel like crap today. Right. You know, like and yeah, I uh, I opened up some random issue of a new Marvel comic this week that just came out, like this this last week. Okay. And uh, and it was talking about like the significant other of a superhero. And there's a whole plot line about how they are in, like, a support group for the significant others of superheroes, which mm. I loved. Like, it was a really fun, fleshed-out story about, like, they all band together. They all sit around and talk to each other about just, like, you know, what it feels like to be, like, worried about their significant other all the time. That uh, they can't let them off the hook. Like, they still have to do chores. Like, don't don't let them get away with not picking up everyday yeah. household responsibilities just because they're out saving the world. Like... Their personal responsibilities are just as important. And it was like a really fun, like focusing on, you know, the spouse instead of just the hero and how they ignore the spouse. That's a good idea. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So Morbius, do you want to tell us about Morbius? Uh, He's a living vampire. So the thing (sighs) about Morbius is uh, he is in this issue. He's kind of experimenting (laughs) as well. Heard aptly sentence. The thing about Morbius is that he is in a comic book that I read today. He's he's definitely there. Um, he's he is a parallel, I think, to Peter Parker. He is actually a very smart, intelligent human being. Oh, I didn't, I didn't think of that. Yeah. And he is also doing experiments. And the byproduct of these scientific experiments is that he basically turns himself into a living vampire who must feed on. I don't know if it's like classic vampire stuff, but you know he's got to have life force from other people. I mean, when when you say classic vampire stuff, do you mean blood? <laughs> it seems like you're you're beating around the bush. And stuff I was thinking saying. like Italian beef, you know, <laughs> like vampires <laughs> love. 
Um, what do you yeah, mean? I don't know no, what you're talking is, about. Well, no, I meant like, is it is it blood? Is it ectoplasm? Are those the same things? Am I using words I don't know? Yes. Yeah, that's like, ectoplasm is like ghost. It's, isn't that like the, the residual material left by ghosts? I mean, here's the thing. If he's taking ghosts out of people's right. bodies, no, that actually seems like no, a favor he's you. doing them. And that would not Next. be classic vampire stuff. <laughs> Next. So I'm right. Time's up. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to start using that tactic yeah, for we're our, not playing that 70, game. our 60s life. <laughs> um, yeah, so he uh, I, the thing I do love about Morbius is his design. Because when he turns into yeah. a vampire, he looks like a bat. He has that kind of like ugly... He's got that like bat face where it looks like you took a rodent's face and turned it inside out. Which is what bats look like often. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's got, he, just, he doesn't look like he's not a handsome debonair... Not debonair, debonair. He's not a handsome debonair vampire. He's yeah. just like ugly creature like a nosferatu instead of a dracula yeah so he um, um he basically happens to be very close to where peter goes to hide out <laughs> when he's trying to hide these i love arms. when he comes in and he's just like a six-arm man what's going on in here yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like to him he's like oh you're you're a weird looking dude um i think somehow it's kurt, kurt connor shows no, up no it, it, it's kurt connor's vacation home right That's why that peter parker is using but why does kurt connor show up because he's just like checking in on him. I he's think. just like, hey, Pete, you called. You sounded distressed. He yeah, shows I up. I could help. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Morbius has, oh boy, I don't even Morbius remember. bites him a little bit, but like not too hard. And that causes the lizard to be able to be like half lizard, half Kirk Connor. Like he's in the lizard body, but he keeps his mind. And then Morbius, they, they it all comes down to basically they're like, ah, we need to get, we built, we made a serum. We need to get some of Morbius's enzyme, I think. And you track him down. And, Morbius uh, seems to be the key to the cure. Yeah, both like they, for they need Kirk something. Connors as the lizard. And he seems yep. to be this like all-purpose cure. Yeah. Yep, you know, yep. for Spidey's arms as well. So, so now it's the lizard and six-armed Spidey teaming up together to go track down Morbius back in New York City. And uh this is this is moving into 102. And I love like someone gets a news report of a like a six-arm long-tailed creature flying through the city. And uh I think it, it looks like JJJ, but it's not actually him yep. who's getting this report. It's weird. But then they cut to like a shadowy silhouette of the lizard clinging to six-armed Peter Parker. And it, it is just like this very <laughs> upsetting silhouette. And this is such a good moment where uh, the lizard is starting to... The lizard is starting to break through his mind a little bit and take over Kirk Connor's mind. Yeah. And he's just like... what? They're over the, the city up in the sky purse, and he's like, What am I doing clinging to you like some impotent child? Uh, and he goes, uh, <laughs> the lizard just lets go of him and just goes, I must be free. Free! As he, <laughs> as he plummets towards the pavement. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And then Spider-Man like saves him and he's like, you saved me? Oh, I guess, uh, I guess I should team up with you. <laughs> yeah, so I actually funny. really like Spidey, um, a Spidey lizard team up here. I think it works really well um, because, I, again, I lizard always has Kurt. that like. He's not actually a bad guy thing going on, even though it's very Jekyll and Hyde. Um, we talk but, about this some, but like Kirk Connors being an ally of Spider-Man is really good. He doesn't know yeah. that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. They're not at that point yet, or I don't know if they become at that point, but they're they're they're, they're definitely like he's someone he can turn to if he's in trouble. Um, yeah, and so they fight Morbius, and uh, Morbius has this whole thing where he's like racked with guilt over and ghosts. killing his his lab mate and sucking the ghost out of him. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and they have this weird thing where Morbius is just like, uh, oh, I've lived this every time I, you know, lay down to sleep. I live this nightmare a thousand times. But then they show his backstory and it's like he was on a science ship. 
He turned himself into a vampire. He fell off the side of the ship. He got picked up by the ship. And then he immediately ran to Spider-Man. So it's like, they kind of make it sound like he's been a vampire for like, I don't know, 72 hours? Yeah, he's a pretty new like vampire. Um, yeah, but he talks about like that he's relived this nightmare a thousand times, but whatever. He's nitpicking. Anyway, so they, they well, get He takes the, a lot of naps. He does. You have to <laughs> sleep all day. Yeah, 1,000 naps. Uh, yeah. God, that sounds good. I could go for 1,000 naps right now. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, uh, so yeah, Morbius, his his ghost blood does cure Connors of, or rather, seems to settle him down back into Kurt Connors. And yeah. it uh, Spidey's arms slowly creep into his body. Yeah, there's, no, they don't. And pop that out his ribs and, uh, no, I, the mask just disappears and God, I just he's wanted, back to normal. I just wanted, like, some sound effects, like a squanch. <laughs> Yeah, as that's, that's what we need. As you just saw them. And then, you know, like the loose skin that came, like his bones receded in. I just wanted to see like the, the loose skin and tendons just like plop to the ground. You're very like, into really the a... body horror elements that are not too I mean, where, where did all that mask go, right? The arms just kind of, I think they just fall to the ground. They didn't. And that that for would someone be very funny. <laughs> How funny would that be if like the last shot of this is just uh, Spider-Man like flipping away. And you can just see, like, very small on the roof of that building, four arms just laying on the all, ground. All waving. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. God, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where did he get the mass for those four arms? I didn't really see his calves. Maybe his calves just got real small. He's He does have notably thinner legs after yeah. this point. <laughs> God, um, that, would, that's, that would be very funny. He's got six arms, but uh, his thighs are just, like... <laughs> sticking bones they are bean poles now yeah yeah so that's yeah that's amazing spider-man that's the six arm <laughs> saga um it's a good one it's my favorite thing from this stretch. I, I loved i loved 100 i thought 100 by itself was great and then just it didn't pay off like i wanted to even though i like morbius like i like morbius and i thought he was interesting yeah he's a good I just villain. thought it was like weird to rush him in it was like two elements that would have worked better separately and let breathe but anyway that goes i just that leads us into 144, Captain America, and this is weirdly split into two stories. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. I think the first one is Roy Thomas and, uh, do you, do you have, I don't know the artist. I don't have it in front of me. It's someone we've credited before. So they, they have, they've gotten enough credit, if you ask me. <laughs> um, and, uh, honestly, they don't need credit because this is pretty boring. It's just like Captain America, Nick Fury, S.H.I.E.L.D. burst through a Hydra, burst into a Hydra warehouse, punch a bunch of Hydra as like an audition for Richard Nixon. That's that's it. It's weird. Yeah, well, well. So first off, it's by Gary Friedrich, <laughs> scripter, and John Romita is actually the artist here. Although I would not okay. guess looking at this that it was JR's art. Um, but <clears> yeah, no, it's Fury and Cap. They're doing this thing where they raid a Hydra base. And basically, it's all an audition for they're trying to get funding directly mm-hmm. from Tricky Dick. They're trying to get funding for <laughs> LMDs, aka life model decoys, the things that yep. Fury loves that look like him but are, you know, androidy robots. And they are also trying to get funding for FemForce. And this is the all-female division of Shield agents. And they come in like, I don't know, halfway through this raid and they get some action for themselves. And there's a lot of talk about like, hey, if we're ever going to prove that women can do this job just as well as men, you know, this is our tryout, essentially. And it's, so it's like Nixon is deciding if he should they, fund FemForce. It's a bummer they let them halfway in. It kind of reminds me of like when I was on the basketball team in high school and it was just like, oh, it's we have five minutes left in the game and we're either 25 points ahead or 25 points behind. Zach, you can go play now. <laughs> that, that's when i got my time to shine is when it's uh, not the fairest you're saying yes yeah, so it's there's, definitely there's no stakes you're anymore. the you're the b squad 
You know, yeah. like we we're gonna have you around, but you're like not gonna I, either you can't screw this up bad enough, we can lose, or uh, we've already lost. What's the point? Like, there's yeah, <laughs> you can't do any more damage. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's what's really happening, but um, there is like no, a line it's got where, that timing to it. I think, and and there's a line where something like uh, someone says like, if this doesn't prove the you know the value of women's lib, I don't know what does. And Captain America's like, oh, I wouldn't go that far, ladies, but you certainly do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's there's a recurring use of the women's lib movement it, as they literally keep... that exact phrase in Marvel comics, and every time they talk about it, it's like I don't. It's like a group of old white women sitting around talking about um, using the phrase Antifa. like social justice warriors or something. Yeah, yeah. That's a yeah, bad. For sure. That's a it, bad it, example. Yeah. But it's like it's no, like no, this th- phrase that, that they're like. We know this enough. is on the. Yeah, like we know this is in the culture. We don't really know what it means, and also we don't yep. think we like it, but we're not sure why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it it has what Marvel has had a lot of, which is just like, yeah, this isn't a bad idea. Don't go crazy though. Don't take this too far. <laughs> like that kind yeah. of like, yeah, you know, yeah. Maybe maybe some people are going a little. Ext- you know what? Like I agree, there's a problem, but Black Lives Matter. Let's let's not get carried away, you know, that kind of Yes, it's got that it's got that tone yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. So uh yeah, that happens and I, I like that Richard Nixon is like Ooh, I was about to try Richard There's Nixon. There's like two impression. pages of Nixon in a conference room. Do you think I, I can try a Richard Nixon impression for the first time? I've never tried it before. Um not a crook. Well talk to Captain America. Say something say something about shield funding in that voice. In my tricky dick voice? Yeah. But for now I'll turn it over to our technical experts. Trick I think you have to peace out. <laughs> I'll first have to take it to the Joint Chief of Staff, and then right by my cabinet. <laughs> Here's the thing never... about Zach and I: we've never heard Richard Nixon speak. I, I think I, <laughs> I was surprised that the now. first time I've done a Nixon, Nixon impression. I don't think that was too bad. I do like he's just like, well, there's a lot of protocols that need to be followed, boys, and uh, I have to. We have to get it approved through all levels of government, and. Uh, I, he like lists like three different bureaus that it needs to run through, and then I need congressional a- a- approval. And it's like, well, I don't think Richard Nixon needs any of that to do what he wants to do. <laughs> like, this is a little bit before uh, the, the the tables turned or the tide turned against Richard Nixon. Yes, right. No, it's it's generally pretty friendly. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm that leads into that the Falcon huh? fights alone, which is a standalone that. story. This is again a Gary Friedrich story with Gray Morrow art. Gray Morrow. This one yeah. is is. Basically, all like social political commentary and conversation, <sighs> except that it's not. It like it has the veneer of that. But yeah, they don't actually say anything, which is a little frustrating. It's like, all. It's all like here's one side, here's the other side. Okay, but but not <laughs> even really. You know, they're not actually talking about like what's up. So the the whole thing is like Sam Wilson has a girlfriend or a woman that he's interested in that like doesn't want anything to do with him because he she like thinks he's you know fighting with Whitey and. Uh, is working for the man. He's a top. We should Uncle be clear: Tom. not specifically all of the mobsters named Whitey in the Marvel universe, which <laughs> yeah, is he, every mobster. Yeah, at this point, Sam Wilson is uh fighting with Whitey Bulger. Yes, <laughs> it's, this this comic is called Captain Mar- Captain America, the Falcon, and Whitey Bulger. That guy, I tell you, <laughs> God. Um, and uh, yeah, and he's just like, no, no, I'm you know I'm doing good work, and I'm you know it's not like you think, and she's like. What does she say? She has a bunch of really funny lines. We're just like, you can't check out a book here till you get the right library card, brother. Like, it's it's very good. Um, yeah, she's not yeah, actually it, talking about library books. 
Yeah, she's talking about, I think she's talking about her butt. You think she's talking about her butt? I mean, here's the thing. This podcast is the most butt heavy of all of them, and I'm excited <laughs> about that. I was about to cut it out until you said that. Um, yeah, so <laughs> she she walks out, and Captain America has been, like, listening in. <laughs> He's, like, at the window listening <laughs> to this conversation. Hey, Sam, I listened to your private conversation. Yeah, he, he immediately sneaks in. He's like, yeah, not to butt in, but uh, need a hand? And, uh, and Sam Wilson kind of goes on this rant of just like, you know, the white man thinks he knows how to fix my problems, and that's what he always does. He comes in and fixes the problems, and he thinks he knows better than me, and I'm, you know, whatever. He kind of just goes off in this, like, very generalized, very nonspecific rant about, like, working with white people. Like, I think you're, I think you're underselling a little the fact that this is 12 pages of a Captain America comic in 1971. I mean, is it is it brilliant analysis? No. Yeah. Um, but they no, are talking about it. You're right. I'm, it, you're right. I just, when I'm reading it, I'm just like, what are they, what are they actually talking about? I'm not really sure. Like, I'm not really... I I they're not really, really sure either, though. Again, like, this is this is yeah. part of the, the Marvel challenge here is it's, like, all white guys. You know yeah. what I mean? And the cl- their the perspectives like, are not going to be that insightful on yeah. issues of civil unrest in 1971. Like, I, I again, like, I don't think if you're expecting to find the answers here, you're not going to. Um, yeah. But again, I do think in broader terms, it's good that they're raising them. I think this is a very important thing to be talking about when you have an African-American uh, partner working with Captain America and sharing his series title. I think it's an important thing now. If you look at the MCU about um, the new Captain America and Winter Soldier series that's going to come mm-hmm. out. Like that, yeah. that has to be a part of the conversation. And I hope it's done well. Like I think there's a lot of landmines that can go into doing that well, which is why I think what you're seeing is like, this is safe. This is, yeah. you oh, know, no, it's yeah, maybe I don't even, safe. Yeah. Because they're probably, you know, there's probably an element of like, and it's different, you know, now than it was then. But like, you know, it being like, well, I don't totally know what I'm talking about here. So yeah. maybe I'm going to be a little careful. You know? Yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe maybe that's leaking into it. Because ultimately what it boils down to is it just seems like Sam Wilson is uncomfortable working alongside a white guy to solve, like, his community's problems, right? And so ultimately he decides, like, I'm striking out on my own. Like, I, I need to, you know, I need to clean up the neighborhood by myself. Like, this needs to be my responsibility and I need to do it without the help of a white man, right? And that kind of seems like the thrust of it, which, you know, is like, okay, that... I almost like understand what you're getting at. He doesn't quite explain it that well. Like I feel like there's a case to be made, but they don't quite get there. But on the other hand, his new costume is like ah, so cool. Yeah, he I'm, gets. I'm that a big good, fan of this. Like uh, it's it's like a V-neck down. Oh, to the it's crotch. the deep. It's that deep. V. Could not be deeper. Um, it's white, red. It's really more of the classic '70s Falcon look. Yeah, and he immediately goes off to uh, sick his. Actual physical falcon. Let's not forget, he has a real bird. He has a real <laughs> so, bird. God, so funny. Is it Red Wing? Is that yeah, the name of the bird? That's right. So funny. God, He's I a red bird. Um, yeah, that he uh, goes and fights some, you know, like dope dealers uh, in, across town. And I, I like Captain America's like, all right, let's go, soldier. And, uh, Falcon's like, uh, no, you stay here. I'm going to go take care of this myself. Yeah. And, and Captain America respects it, and uh, and he does, and like, I mean, part of it is that, you know, I think a bunch of kids come up afterwards and are, you know, like, oh, hey, you're doing this on your own, huh? That's cool. And like, you know, he's seen as, you know, he's he's not the sidekick to Captain America. I, I don't, I think I'm I think that's important. a little bit. He's not Bucky. He's not Rick Jones. Yeah. And I, uh, I Sam think Wilson like, is a hero in his own right. He's not a sidekick. I, th- 
And I feel like we're giving a little bit of a helping hand in our interpretation because it's not quite there on the page. But like, I think that's what they're getting at. And I, just, I don't think it's. I mean, that's how really... it, ends. it ends with Captain America in the background watching Falcon solve this by himself. <laughs> yeah, but Captain Cap America has better things just... to do. I want to be clear. Cap should yeah. be not <laughs> creeping into his private life all the time. Yeah. And Captain America. No, Captain America is solely fixated on just like another partner gone. First Bucky, then Rick Jones, now the Falcon. I'll never work with a partner. Like he, he literally says, like, this is the last partner for me. I can't stand the heartbreak. You're putting a lot <laughs> of emotional tone in that that I did not read at I'm all. Finding, I'm finding the truth at the core of the character. Yeah, I think you are. Yeah. Number yeah. six on the all-time criers list. Have Could you seen, I, I think I've sent this to you, but there's a really good Instagram account, Comics Out Loud. Uh, you, you sent see? it to me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. Anyone listening to this, go check it out because it's just a, uh, I think they're reading through the Galactus Saga, like two or three panels at a time and they just they narrate uh eat, you know a couple panels and it's it's very funny um so that's it i think this is an interesting batch of comics like avengers is up and down actually i think this whole thing was a little up and down but at the very least it was interesting and like we have a wild couple of years coming up yeah like i just did uh t- tonight i wrote out all the extra issues i'm going to be covering from 70 to 73 and, uh, like, 72 and 73 get, we- I think, like, oh, my God, five or six different monster comics alone. Like, <laughs> like different monster series on yeah. their own. Now, We've Marvel's going like- to get weird. They start playing in trends. They kind of got a, a loose canon in terms of how much they can publish. Uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, we've got just, just, <laughs> just a little Tomb of Dracula, Ad- Adventures into Fear, Vampire Tales, Zombie, The Monster of Frankenstein, uh, Ghost Rider, Werewolf by Night, Doc Savage, The Cat. Those are all new series in the next two years. And that's not counting all the stuff that's not on Marvel Unlimited, like um, Conan the Barbarian and Call the, what is he, Call the Warrior or something. Like there's a bunch of that sword sorcery stuff that they're getting into that's not on Marvel Unlimited yet, but hopefully will be soon because they got the license back. So, so yeah, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to yeah. be weird. It's going to be interesting. If you want to find all that good reading coming up, you can find the notes a number of ways. You can go to mymarvelthisyear.com for the list on Comic Book Herald. Oh, let's, subscribe well, let's, to the let's clarify that. We, we wanted to talk about that, right? Yeah, so the, so the list, uh, the best way to get them is going to be in the show notes via the Comic Book Herald email, which you can sign up for on comicbookherald.com, or via the Patreon. You can get at patreon.com slash mymarvelthisyear. The lists are edited. Since the time I threw them up initially on MyMarvelThisYear.com. So there are going to be some modifications made based on things that are in Marvel Unlimited. The MyMarvelThisYear.com list will not be edited. So again, if you want the most current version. Um, yeah, there's, there's three, four places you can get the most current, right? It's the, the mailing list at MyMarvelThisYear.com from the Comic Book Herald website. There's the weekly newsletter on Patreon that you can get for a dollar a month on Patreon. At $5 a month, you get access to our spreadsheet, which just gives you the entire list, like, and you can see it getting updated as we update it, um, and the show notes. So th- those are the places where, like, we absolutely are putting all the the for sure um, updated lists. Yep. So you can find them all there. Again, you can write to us at mymarvelousheroesgmail.com with thoughts and feedback on the issues as you do so. Uh, if you like the show, please rate and review on Really anywhere. Write it down on a piece of paper. Um, Stop it. You can email there's us. One, there's like one place. Whisper it to a tree in your front yard. Whatever you want to do. Uh, a positive rating and review is appreciated. Music for the show is by Disaster Peace. Mm. I'm not going to spell it. You have Thank to figure you it out. <laughs> it's a mystery. Uh, get feedback into us by July 16th. Uh, that's tomorrow. And uh, for the variant cover feedback next week. Um, 
We want to say thank you to our patrons at patreon.com. Really appreciate you. Uh, yeah, every little bit helps. We have a bunch of, you know, $1 backers and we, we you know, we really appreciate every every dollar helps. We know, you know, not everyone has the disposable income to throw to us, but, you know, it uh, it helps us do new shows. We're looking forward to, to expanding the, the network. I don't know if we can call ourselves a network when we only have the one show, but. Uh, I'd, yeah. I'd say we're a network. Yeah. We're I mean, a very focused network. We're a, sp- well, yeah. we're a, a, a network of a, a straight line between you and me, Dave. Right. Yep. Just a romantic line from one well, to the other. That's not encourage people. <laughs> I'm I'm worried about fanfic. I'm, I'm worried about fan fiction, fan art starting to pop up. Yeah. We're already starting to get 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 that in the Slack channel. Slack channel is so good, people. Like, please come, j- just come lurk a little bit. The Juggalo talk has just been exquisite lately. You sell this so well. <laughs> It's unbelievable. It is funny that that keeps like popping up. I I don't know how that keeps popping up, but if you want to learn a lot about Juggalos, it's uh yeah, and comic books. We talk about comic books, but it's it's mostly Juggalos. Mostly. Uh, what a shame. Uh, anyway, yeah. thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next year. See you next year. Uh-huh.